another edition of the First and Orange Broncos podcast. We are back, training camp 2019. You know the host. It's me, Kyle Fredrickson, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. We are at Dove Valley for day two of camp. We've taken in the first day. We've digested it, Ryan. We're ready for day two, and we've got some observations, right? We 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 got some, sure. got some things to share with the with the yeah, people. Yeah, we got got some takeaways, and uh, none of which will be anointing anybody as a Hall of Famer. <laughs> but where do you want to start? We want well, to start with practice, well, or do you want to start with injuries? Let's start with the news of the day, because I think that's okay. what's most important in the long kind of doldrums of training camp. We'll have lots of time to talk about a variety of issues. But yesterday was Todd Davis, Ryan. It was an interesting scenario because practice was right at the very end. I believe it was one of the very last reps of the team period. And we see Todd Davis being carted to the locker room. And a lot of us, I think, were sort of in the dark about what happened initially. But through your reporting, tell us kind of what you found out through the course of the day and what you expect the timeline for uh, Davis's return to be. Sure. I mean, to describe him as walking gingerly would be accurate. So you figure, okay, it was definitely a lower right body extremity injury after practice, goes off to an MRI, revealed that he has a little bit of a strain, which means a slight tear of the calf muscle. My, my reporting is, say, three or four weeks, which makes him still on in, uh, you know online for the opener. But they got to be very cautious with this. Be very cautious with this because last year Emmanuel Sanders had calf soreness. Next thing he knew, he blew out his Achilles on the same practice field. You look at Kevin Durant had a grade one calf. He popped that thing, came back, blew his Achilles. So, you know, if you're the Broncos, you got to let that thing on Davis's calf settle down a little bit because if you come back too early from that injury, not only you you could re-injure it and set your timeline back to square one, or you can make do more damage. So. I think this is a this is a this is a storyline worth monitoring because this is an inside linebacker group that wasn't that renowned when they're healthy. Now the depth has already been tested. You know, Joe Jones, Keyshawn Barrera could could be the next guys up in practice on Friday. But if you're if you're Vic Fangio, you, you know you'll say it doesn't make you uh, gun shy at all. But you know, he, was, he, he didn't think having extra practices was a big deal on, on Wednesday during that press conference when I asked it. Well, it sure as hell is a big deal right now because if they weren't reported to camp, he wouldn't be injured. And I think people need to understand maybe how this team viewed Todd Davis entering the season by the fact that they didn't take an inside linebacker, at least not a true one, in the draft. They had to think very highly of him as a starter. I mean, had a career year last year, 100-plus tackles, guy with you know about 50 career starts. So transitioning to a new defense, not a lot of depth inside, no veterans outside of Todd Davis. That yeah. maybe factors into this, right? Yeah, because there's, you know, when they traded down out of 10 instead of taking Devin Bush from Michigan, you say, okay, that was an endorsement for Todd Davis and Josie Drool. Both those players admitted that. You know, they had Justin Hollins, an outside linebacker, learning the sub package inside during the OTAs. Let's see if, let's see if that ramps up a little bit. Not only were they looking at Todd as a starter, they're looking at as an every-down player because during the off-season workouts, they only ran nickel. They had two inside linebackers on the field. So, you know, who's the first guy today alongside Jewel? How does this impact the sub package? And the other thing is, let's say you lose one more guy inside, pulls a hamstring. Well, now you're getting low on numbers, and you got to think about making a roster move to get another guy in here. So... It's a, it's a ripple effect. Everybody is going to downplay it. There's plenty of time for the opener. It's, it's a long ways away. He'll come back. 
something definitely worth monitoring though. I mean, three to four weeks is optimistic in your mind. Is that safe to say just because you said sometimes these are touchy and, and yeah. if that's the timeline that puts him just about in time for, you know, week one, Monday night at Oakland. I'd shut him down for the whole preseason. Cause let's say, let's say he's cleared to be on the field in three and a half weeks. Well, He's probably not in game shape to play any kind of snap, so I don't think I don't think the Broncos do see him on the field until the first week, and like they did with Emmanuel Sanders throughout the offseason and in day one of camp, you know maybe cautiousness is the best approach right now regarding Davis and the Broncos. Let's just talk real one quick on one last thing on this storyline. Josie Jewell, we knew he was gonna be a, a real kind of presence inside at the linebacker for the Broncos. Maybe hit and miss last year. It seemed like he was a sure tackler, but whenever they put him in coverage, especially in the red zone, it seemed like he was a real liability to get tossed over on the top. How much progress are you going to have to see from him for you to say, hey, he's at least a, a comparable replacement for what they had in Davis in the middle? Well, I think what, what, what Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel's system is going to do is they're going to put those inside linebackers into position, i.e. zone coverage, where they don't have to track tight ends down the middle of the field I mean, they're still gonna have to do some man coverage concepts at, at some point but they know what they have they watched the film from last year so they figure with Josie another off season of experience combined with putting him in some better situations will make a difference so let's just kind of switch gears real quickly Ryan yesterday was our first chance to talk to Joe Flacco Andrew Locke on the same day after a practice a whole new quarterbacks room uh, at least at the top or what we assume will be the top when the season starts uh, just wanted to get your impressions and I suppose Flacco is naturally where we'll go you know uh our, our columnist Mark Kisla wrote about him and maybe how the lack of fan excitement was maybe one of the reasons we saw so much grass up on the hill before. But in your mind, here comes a guy who, who's very sure of himself, comes to the podium. I appreciated at least some of the answers he gave that gave, appeared pretty honest and, and gave a, some insight into who this guy is. What were your takeaways? Well, you know, this is entering his 12th year, Joe is. He's not going to get bent out of shape over the first practice. He wasn't sharp. You know, started with his first attempt at pass, didn't happen because he dropped the shotgun snap. Right. That's going to happen. Uh, you know, I would expect him to slowly rebuild back up. He doesn't appear to a guy who throws a lot during the offseason because he's going he's to save that ammo for when camp starts. Um, Drew Locke, you know, the storyline there, A, that he was here, B, that he's working with third team. I mean, they're going to make him earn that second spot over Kevin Hogan. And, you know, uh, uh, Drew Locke didn't turn heads. Drew Locke was a rookie yesterday. One play, though, and I put this in the camp rewind, stood out. You remember Noah Fant said last month or two months ago that he was surprised by how mobile Drew Locke is out of the Ex pocket. Extending the play. Yeah, so there's this – This was. it looked like a design rollout to the right. He was sort of – he was sort of – he kept moving toward the sideline. He sort of did a three-quarters delivery, flipped the pass. I think it was to Fred Brown along the sideline. Just showed you some good improvisational skills and get some good fundamentals that, hey, you're not able to throw the ball the same every time. You have to be able to adjust your release point and your delivery. So, I mean, it was a little play, but I thought it stood out. Um, as for what he said, as far as what Locke said afterwards, you know, this was gonna, this deal wasn't, was going to get done. The only hiccup of him not practicing yesterday is this, if he couldn't get here. So, but as soon as he was eligible, I mean, he practiced before he passed the conditioning test. God help us. So, but, but now they're both in. It's going to be interesting to see how the, how the, how the reps at quarterback with the second team offensive line is going to work uh, moving forward. 
and I'm wondering, you know, you talk about maybe the contrast here. You got Joe Flacco, tall guy, stands in the pocket, isn't going to throw all offseason, more stoic there. You've got Locke, the creative guy, moving outside, making plays. I'm already sensing that in the preseason we're going to get some big-time Locke moments and some maybe some shaky Joe moments. How early do you think the conversation will start with, man, they should give Drew Locke a chance? I mean, In this it, town? Tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> After the first preseason game, second preseason game, you got to wait for Flacco to play first. Uh, Drew Locke is going to keep both teams in the game of the preseason. That's what rookie quarterbacks do. If I'm the Broncos, I want him to play a lot of snaps. I want him to see a lot. I want him to run a lot of different plays just so he can get comfortable and just so they can find out is he better off being one snap away or is the third team inactive quarterback on Sunday. So what do you want to see from Flacco – is like any starter at this point. Put together a drive or two, face some third downs, get into a two-minute, maybe a backed up, just to see how you can move the offense. You know, it's not a for for the first team. It's about moving the football in the preseason, not so much points and you know, you know big plays and stuff like that. All right, we we ought to just at least talk about the other guy in this room that is notable, and there's Brett Ripien as well, but. You know, the, the player who actually could make a greater impact, I would think, is Kevin Hogan, the returning backup. Um, does he have a shot at this thing, Ryan? We, we sort of jabbed back and forth with, with, with Kiz in our roundtable about this idea that maybe, you know, Locke isn't the number two guy. In your mind, what would have to happen for Kevin Hogan to emerge as the clear number two? Um, you know, a combination of Hogan playing well and Locke struggling. If Drew Locke has a good preseason – I don't see the benefit of him being number three. I see the benefit of him being number two. And then that brings the question of, do you keep Kevin Hogan as a number three? I don't think you would, but the opinion of Hogan inside this building is higher than it is people outside the building, which makes sense. He hasn't played a lot in games. He hasn't, we haven't seen a lot of him, you know, running for his life or how does he handle pressure, that kind of thing. So uh, is it a converse? It's, it's not a controversy because it's not about a starting job but it is a conversation that will develop starting in the Hall of Fame game. Who starts? Flacco's not going to play. Is right. it Hogan or Locke? NBC got to be praying to the heavens that it's Drew Locke starting that game. But <laughs> Keep the, those viewers, yeah. Yeah, but Kevin Hogan may say, hey, I'm uh, playing up to the number two standard. I'm going to get the call. Gotcha, gotcha. So, Ryan, we'll we'll kind of end on one last topic here, the the podcast. Like I mentioned earlier, we'll cover everything this training camp, every ins out of this team, what we think is going to happen with the roster, projections of starters and reserves, those things. But we're early enough in camp that I'm curious if you have maybe an under-the-radar name that you got, you think could be a guy who makes a name for himself in this first week, whether it be uh, because of opportunity, whether it be because he's a guy who you think is talented and maybe the coaching staff is about to learn that. I'll let you go first, and I'll kind of follow. Well, my knee-jerk because of the Ty Davis injury is Joe Deneen. His, his, his snaps are going to go up now. Uh, he was a tackle machine, as you pointed out, led the nation in tackles at the uh, FBS. Yeah, major college, we'll call it that. Jesus. He's called Division One A <laughs> at the big level. His team stunk, but he made a lot of tackles. Yeah. Um, at receiver, 
what does Brendan Langley have to do to get into the mix? Yeah, that's a, you're sort of stealing my thunder there, but yeah, that's well, the direction so I was going I'll let you take go. Langley. Because, yeah, I, I thought with Langley, we saw him running with second and third team, you know, through some of the, the team periods, and he made a few receptions, and he looked natural out there. I, I have zero idea what he's going to look like in a real game against a, a real opponent, but I think he's a real wild card in this receiver's mix because as much as we want to laud, you know, Cortland Sutton as the number one guy who's going to put up big numbers this year and is poised for a big year. He really didn't do all that much last year. You know, four touchdowns, 40 catches. You know, it's Case Keenum, so take that for what it's worth. It's a rookie season. But I think the field is open enough for a few guys to make a name for themselves because Joe Flacco ain't playing favorites. He's going to pass to the guy who's open and can catch the ball. So whether that's, you know, Juwan Winfrey or Cortland Sutton, um, you know, or a converted cornerback, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. And that's, that's where Langley runs into a problem is numbers. Um, Sanders, Sutton. Hamilton I would think Patrick okay that's your top four okay if if you keep five do you keep Juwan Winfrey over Brendan Langley do you keep Brendan Langley over? Ju- they traded up for Winfrey I think he'd be pretty set okay let's say you keep a six receiver do you keep a six receiver because he's a return man yeah or and there's you, options yeah. for that who are smaller speedy guys yeah. and if they're great returners how do those guys fit yeah, it'll be so, tough so it's um, five or six receivers, and if you're going to keep a six receivers returner, he's going to be active. Okay, that takes a spot away from maybe a fourth tight end. So, you know, as camp progresses, um, you know, things will crystallize a little bit. But all Langley can do is just stay available and keep making plays and try and work himself in the mix like a Tim Patrick did last year, like a River Craycraft did last year. Make it tough for them to cut you. Well, as long as these days are and as long as this camp lasts, we are looking forward to getting out there, uh, viewing practice today. Today is day two as this podcast is released. Uh, If there's any more news that is to be had to follow up on this, we'll be hopping back on the pod, uh, giving it to you guys as best we can. So on that note, I'll wrap it up. On behalf of Ryan, me, and the First and Orange pod, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Be sure to follow all of our coverage online at denverpost.com. You can subscribe to the post, get that thing delivered to your front door every day, and we will see you next time.